From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast, Hot Takes Edition, after Florida State falls at home 34-28 to to number 4, Clemson. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of website development and internet marketing for an affordable price. The Unconquered Shop. And, of course, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty. Shenandoah Newsma of ShenRealEstate.com and Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. As always, thanks to my sponsors. And thanks also to you Patreon uh, supporters. You you mean a lot in this. And I'm really grateful, uh, especially for those of you who have uh, contributed uh, above, well above, in some cases, the minimum level uh, uh, this year. Uh, Really appreciate that. Well, let's get down to it. Honestly, for this post game, I don't have a bunch of hot takes or fire to spit or anything like that about this game. I mean, I think ultimately the better football team won this game. And, you know, look, I didn't expect Florida State to win this game. I thought they'd have a chance to win the game. They did have multiple chances to put themselves in position to win the game. But I think this team, especially in the current situation where they are uh, really banged up, and they are missing some key players who are difference makers. Uh, specifically, uh, Fabian Lovett, not having him in this game, I think, and just being as banged up as they are and as they have been, uh, you know, this is this was the kind of outcome that really you kind of expected coming in. And so, in that respect, I can't be all that upset or you know encourage anybody else to be all that upset by what we saw. That said, I mean there were there were definitely frustrating aspects of this game because look, you, you had multiple chances to put yourself in position to win it or to just go out there and, and win the game. And they found ways once again, situationally, to lose to lose the game. This is the third straight game where not only have they lost, but they lost a game that statistically, if you just looked at the box score you would expect them to have won this game. Just just going down the list, total yards, 460 to 370. Florida State outgained Clemson by 90 yards. <laughs> yards per play, Florida State 6.1, Clemson 5.5. Yards per rush, 6.1 for Florida State, 3.8 for Clemson. I mean, these were all, actually in some ways, these, these are better than, than expected coming in. <sighs> that, that's, that's the thing. So you look at those numbers and you go, man, Florida State should should win this game. But once again, it's key situations and just some bad cluster luck and some poor cluster performance that ultimately led to a loss. You got one turnover. So I said coming into this game, if Florida State was plus one, I think they win the football game. But otherwise, if it's you know Clemson plus one or you know, zero turnovers, you probably favor Clemson there. Well, Florida State was plus or was minus one. Clemson scored seven off of that turnover. And that's the ball game. It's a six point game. And you can look at about five different things in this game and say, well, there's where Florida State lost it. And really, you feel like that Clemson did not come out and dominate this game at all. I mean, Florida State, the the most surprising thing about this game is FSU, I think, won the line of scrimmage overall in this game. 
That that's that's interesting. Florida State offensively did not really have a a, a bad time with Clemson's defensive line. Clemson had nine tackles for loss, sure. But again, 6.1 yards per rush. You had opportunities to, to make throws at, at quarterback. You know, there were some Houdini acts by, Houdini acts by uh, Jordan Travis in the, in the back, backfield, but it's kind of what you expect. But yeah, I mean, all in all, FSU was able to, to run the football on Clemson I mean, Trey Benson, seven carries for 69 yards. I thought he should have had more than seven carries. I think in this game, they went to Toa Feely more than I would have liked. I would have wanted Benson a few more times. But 9.9 yards per carry and just, you know, inches, just tripped up from potentially taking one to the house where he's out in the open field on that 20-yard run. Lawrence Toa Feely, who played well, 6.2 yards per carry. They ran the football. But they, again, situationally found ways to lose the football game. And, you know, going back a couple coaches, Florida State, two coaches ago, you had a coach who insisted all the time that, you know, well, you know, stats are good and all, but it's the teams that win the key situations. It's all about situations that matter. And that's been the case. The last three games for Florida State has been situations. And if you want to look at where this game Ultimately, you know, the various places that, that this game was ultimately flushed away. Look, it's 14 all with about midway through the second quarter. And then Florida State has a fourth down that they go for. I think it was the right decision to go for it there. You have momentum. You're on the plus side of the of the 50-yard line. And you've got you've been running the football on them at that point. So, you know, what fourth and two? You go for it. I do not like the call. They ran a a a, uh, a corner flat concept that you know in that context I, I'm not I'm not real keen on because you have a chance you have you have the temptation for your quarterback to take the shot there, and really he's got to just throw the flat route there in front of the defense. Probably if he just puts it on his if he just puts the ball on the flat route, you probably get the first down there. So in that respect, if you just make the right decision and execute it, you probably get the first down. Almost certainly get the first down. So in that in that respect, I shouldn't complain too much about the call, but more about the decision by the quarterback there. But I'm looking at this and I'm going, you're running the football on him. Just run another outside zone. That, and interesting, I was surprised where they really had a lot of success today was in the outside zone. They must have seen something that I didn't see in terms of the Clemson defensive front this year, getting washed a little bit on those outside zone type looks because they were able to get some seams and some cutbacks on those outside zones today. They were able to move Clemson's defensive line, use some of that aggression against them, and get some seams for their backs to hit vertically. And I didn't quite expect that. I expected them to run more gap stuff in this game. They went more away from that, and rightly so. They had a great game plan for this. Offensive coaching staff had a great game plan for this. Not a good one, a great one. They were in position, they, they put their offense in position to really dominate this game, to, to come away with a really good, strong win. But anyway, Travis gets greedy, takes a shot on the corner route, underthrows it a little bit, but even if that's a great throw, it's probably broken up. So now Clemson gets the ball back. 
they go down and they get a field goal. So now you're down three points, but that's okay. Like, look, you go for it on fourth down, you roll the dice, you give up a field goal, that's okay. But you got to answer there with, what, two two minutes left, two and a half minutes left in the third quarter, or in the second quarter, that is. Two and a half minutes left in the second quarter. You feel like you've got to answer. You line up. Your left tackle gets beat. And your quarterback just doesn't have good ball security and goes down. You're going to give up some sacks in this kind of game against that kind of defensive line. I don't care how good your 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 offensive line is. You're going to give up some sacks. What you can't do is have bad ball security. You fumble the football. The defense then finally breaks. Gives up a touchdown. Now it's 24 to 14 going into half. Then you're coming out of the half. You just got to get a stop. Stop the bleeding. It's a 10 point game. Stop the bleeding. You know, force a punt. Get into a situation where you can at least get into in the easy field goal range. Your field goal kicker looks like he's actually starting to hit hit the ball with a little more confidence. It's coming off his foot right. So you feel good if you get down there. But either way, just hold it to 10 and you're moving the football still. You're you're in position to be able to take control or at least regain some momentum in this game. No, long kickoff return out of the gate. Defense is in bad position off the, uh, right out the, out the gate. They have a great little trick play called touchdown. So now it's 17 points in like six and change. Th- those less than seven minutes. That's a 17 point swing. That's a 17 point run in less than seven minutes. That's the ball game right there. And it's just because of a, a few bad situational things and a turnover, a key turnover right before the half. Got to have good ball security. And that that's the thing. But even without that, you go down 20 points and the game feels like it's out of reach. Like it, but I, I'm looking at the, at the, uh, at the scoreboard and I'm going, there's still a full quarter left. You've got a chance if you, you know, you're going to get three more drives probably. And they get the ball, they move the football down once again. They're in position. They get the ball back and they get down, what, a five minute drive, 14 play, 76 yard drive, get it down inside the four yard line. Turn it over on downs. That's where you have two fade routes to Johnny Wilson. You know, I got some people asking me, what do you think about the play calling there? You know, isn't that bad? Shouldn't you run the football? Look, hindsight's twenty twenty. there. I'm not going to second guess what I'm not, what I didn't first guess. I think in hindsight, yeah, you run the football, you know, you've been running the football on them. Well, you you try to do it again, but again, when you get in tight like that, that's where their, their dominant defensive line gets harder to go against. So maybe you're running it, you know, in the middle of the field a little better, but I'm not sure you're just pounding it in, in that context. And, you know, the place where you have the best advantage on the field there is your six, seven wide receiver. And I've been saying, look, in the red zone, that's what you need to do more. So go in there, go into the well twice there. I don't have any problem with that. I think it's actually, those are actually fine calls. They're just really bad throws. And I actually am seeing right there why they haven't called them much is because Jordan doesn't throw that ball very well. In terms of the, the jump ball fade type thing. Those were those were poor throws. You have to So when you've got a six seven wide receiver like that, when you've got a guy who's got a physical mismatch there, what you can't do is try to make a perfect throw and you know throw that to the outside so that you know he's got to extend for it. No, you make that into a basketball play. 
make it a true jump ball. And the key there is you don't go too flat. You have to hang the ball up there. Let that guy post up and go up and get it. And we saw at another point where he did kind of throw it real high. Again, it was too flat, but they had to interfere because if you know, you just can't get to it. It's just a, a big difference in terms of, of wingspan, catch radius, and all of that. So then you get the ball in the two-yard line, you're fine. First down, right? You can do it again. But instead, he's throwing it way outside where Wilson has to basically go and extend for it. Like, that's a little man's throw. You don't want to make that throw. You want to throw it up. Put extra air on it. It's the kind of ball that for a little guy you throw and it's going to get picked, but you have to know your matchup. And I, I just can hear Mark, Mark Rick's voice in my head here. Give him a chance. You got to give him a chance. And they didn't give him a chance. You know, the, the, the throws did not give Wilson a chance on either of those. And then you wind up trying to make a kind of cute call on third down. And then you're stuck on fourth down. And that's that. So, you know, bad sequence, but I'm not going to blame that all on play calling there. I understand what they're trying to do there. And I understand that Norvell is still really trying to call around some of the weaknesses on his offense. And, you know, that does sometimes have coaches getting a little too cute at times. And, you know, I, I think we see that a little bit here and there, especially you know, they've had some struggles in the red zone at, at different points this year where it has seemed like they've gotten a little bit too cute because they've they've been hesitant about trying to pound the rock when they're not sure they're going to be able to do that against some of the fronts that they faced. And when they have tried to pound the rock at different points, they haven't done it quite as well. So I understand the the thinking there. But dang, you get a you you get the touchdown there. They forced a three and out the next drive. They forced a punt the next drive, and they scored on the next two drives, and they lose by six. You get seven there. And you know maybe Clemson maybe Clemson finds a way to score a touchdown or something on the on one of the next drives, and you know their offense finds a way to move it just a little bit more than they did. But look on that on that drive where they went ten plays, thirty four yards, and they ran five minutes a clock, which again that's. The defense just could not get off the field there. And we'll get to that in a moment. But they ended up forcing a punt. Maybe they don't force a punt there. Maybe not. Maybe Clemson goes down and scores. And, you know, it, that isn't the difference in the game. But if that is, if you do score there and then you score where instead of score, instead of there being three minutes and 52 seconds on the clock, when you bring it to 34 to 28, all of a sudden it's a, it's 11 45 on the clock when you when you draw within six that's game on man and with the way the offense played down the stretch you got a real shot so you know this is a game where once again florida state's gonna have to figure out not how not to have a disastrous quarter or a disastrous you know seven minute stretch that costs them this kind of game. They're going to have to figure out how not to shoot themselves in the foot situationally in those key key spots. And they're going to have to figure out how to how to finish drives in the red zone. Cuz this game really boiled down to being minus 1 in the turnover column and being 3 for 4 in the red zone instead of 3 for 3 in the red zone, which is what Clemson was. That's the ball game. Yeah. Now, as much as I th- I'm saying that is the ball game and you know there that is there is another aspect to this you can kind of turn and look another at another perspective at this game and say yeah the 
the defense only gave up 5.5 yards per play in this one and only one, you know, really major scoring play in terms of big plays. But they did have a lot of trouble getting off the field. The defense gave up some long drives. They just, they kept getting themselves in position where Clemson, and and looking at this again, Clemson in third down, Clemson was nine of 17 on third down and then one of one on fourth down. So they had 17 opportunities and they converted on 10 of them. If you stop them on like three more of those, and so it's seven of 17 instead of 10 of 17, you win the football game. But the defense just kept finding ways to, you know, get a guy, you get a guy tackled, you think, two yards short of the first down, and no, he just kind of falls forward just just enough and stretches over and gets a first down. And there were a lot of those plays in this game where the defense was really close to finishing and getting them off the field, but just didn't finish. And that, to me, that was the theme of this game, was Florida State just not finishing. And Clemson, when they had their opportunities, finished. There's your difference. And that's the difference between a winning culture and a winning team at this point and a team that's still learning to win. You got to finish those things. And, you know, that's that's where Florida State's at right now. They're just not quite there. Just coming up a little short. And that's on both sides of the ball and on special teams. Just not, not just short, just a little short of finishing finishing the drill. Looking at the, you know, quarter, quarter, half stuff. First quarter, Florida State came out with a great plan. Gave up the one really big play on on defense, which was, once again, the defense just not finishing. You got Kevin Knowles with a chance to get a sack. Comes in a little bit too hot and a little too soft. And then Dent takes a bad angle, plays it with the wrong technique. You got to play that over the top in that look. If he plays it over the top, maybe it's a completion, but certainly not a touchdown. You give up a big play. That's okay. Then in the second quarter, it's basically an even quarter, but then you have the turnover. 5.6 yards per play for Florida State, 5.8 for Clemson, but the turnover changes that that quarter. Third quarter, 5.5 yards per play for Clemson, 3.6 for Florida State. Kind of stalled out a little bit there. That's where the ball game's lost. Fourth quarter, Clemson 2.7 yards per play, and There are going to be folks out there who say, well, you know, Clemson kind of hit the brakes offensively. I can promise you Dabo Sweeney did not hit the brakes. (laughs) I know that coaching staff. And I'm looking at what they were doing. They were doing a lot of the same stuff. They were running the football more, no doubt. And they were trying to run clock, no doubt. But if you think they weren't trying to score touchdowns there, I don't know what to tell you. Now, again, they ran the football heavily in that fourth quarter. Florida State just needed to do a little bit better job of stopping the run enough again to get off the field. But Florida State offensively, 8.5 yards per play in the fourth quarter. So first quarter, fourth quarter, they were fine. Even second quarter, okay. Scored seven, 5.6 yards per play. But 8.5 yards per play down the stretch. And, you know, Dabo said, you know, maybe he thought his defense got scoreboard scoreboard watching a little bit, played to the scoreboard. And that may be true, but they were still, you know, that, that defensive front was still given everything they had Florida state got some, got some plays and they made them. They just didn't finish in the red zone on the one that they needed to. 
And that right now, that's what this team has to learn to do. It has to learn to finish against teams that can punch with them. Now, now you come into the bye, four and three. And I think most of us coming into the season felt like if Florida State was four and three at this point in the season, it was then basically that would be meeting or maybe even exceeding just a little bit of, of the expectations coming into the year. Four and three was about where I thought they'd be coming in. The disappointing thing is with the way that they've played, they could be seven and zero. Oh. Again, they've now lost three straight games where they outgained their opponent in yards per play and by a decent amount and just lost situationally. So that's where it's disappointing. You could abs- you could absolutely see this team being seven and zero. Oh. And I think actually, and folks out there might think I'm crazy for this. That's fine. Lots of people think I'm crazy anyway. But I think if Fabian Lovett plays all seven games and is healthy this season, I think Florida State is 7-0. Because I don't think they're giving up the run the way that they have in some of these key spots if he's on the field. I think he makes that big of a difference. And it also filters down to where your backup, the guy that would be your backup defensive tackle is now fresher when he's on the field. They're just getting worn down a defensive tackle. But if, if you watch how this team has played, anybody who wants to say anything bad about, you know, Josh Storms and the strength and conditioning staff and all that, man, they, they just don't know what they're looking at because this team is coming out and they are playing physical football. And they are this, this team is not lacking in strength or conditioning. They are they're a, they're a well, well-conditioned and, and strong football team, especially for the, the level of recruits and the size that these guys came in. And the issue is you're getting, you know, guys that would be third on the depth chart or were third on the depth chart at the beginning of the season that are now, or a guy that was not even at the position early in the season that are now playing starter reps at defensive tackle. And that wears you down eventually. I think if Fabian Lovett had played all seven games this year, you're looking at probably a 7-0 and team. Not to mention Verse being out for basically three full games and, and uh, you know, a shell of himself in terms of health. I mean, he's gone down sort of afraid that he really hurt the knee each of the last three games. So, look, if you're going to try to take away something good out of this, the good thing is that Florida State has closed the gap enough against the actual good teams on their schedule now that they're not getting blown out by anybody. And not only are they not getting blown out, they're in position where they should be winning these games. They're actually outplaying some of these teams on a play-by-play basis. You keep doing that, and eventually you start winning those games. And then wins start to turn into wins. You learn how to win. They've just got to figure that out. I do think also certain things in terms of their limitations at the quarterback position have emerged the last three weeks. Uh, you've, You've seen some of those limitations kind of emerge, come out. Jordan Travis is a really good quarterback, good college quarterback, but there are certain limitations that they've had to call around and that teams have kind of exposed in the last three weeks. But when I look forward to the remaining games, you got Georgia Tech, you got Miami, Syracuse, Louisiana, and Florida. So you got five games left. I think it's fair to expect to beat uh, Louisiana. Georgia Tech is playing better. But that's a game 
you should and need to win. Syracuse is going to be a very tough out. And then you got your rivalry games, Miami and Florida. And those are games where you're just going to have to go toe to toe and win those games physically. I like your matchups in those games, but you know, you never know what's going to happen in those games, given how those teams have played so far this year and the composition of the rosters and what you've got in terms of overall lack of depth and injury situations in each of those places. But you get the Louisiana game and then you get the Georgia Tech game and you're bowl eligible. Or you get Louisiana and Syracuse and you're bowl eligible. If you get one of the other three, then you're at the seven-win season, which most people said at the beginning of the season was a successful season. You just need three games from here out of those five for this to be a successful season based on what people expected coming into the year. Now, here's the thing. There is not one of those games that looking at it right now, I don't think Florida State should be favored in down the stretch. I think they should be favored in all five. Now, does that mean they're going to win all five? Probably not, especially if they continue to play like this in situations. But it'll be interesting to see how healthy they come out of the bye. I mean, there are some guys who really need, you know, to spend the week in the cold tub. And, you know, do you get Fabian Lovett back? The hope was that he would be back by Clemson, but he wasn't quite ready. Will he be ready for Georgia Tech? Or do you wait one more week? Do you feel like, you know, he's going to need three more weeks instead of two more weeks of preparation? And you bring him out from Miami. Either way, if, if Lovett comes back on the field and is anywhere near his normal self, this team jumps in terms of its capacity on defense. He changes you. So in that respect, you've, you've still got a chance to, to put together a good second half of the season and walk away with eight, eight wins, maybe. Seven wins is, you know, I think very realistic. So again, thinking about what needed to happen this season without some of the disappointment of knowing how close they were to vastly exceeding what they, what they, what expectations were, you feel like this team can still do some things down the stretch and can still at least meet the preseason expectations that most people had. I still think around eight wins is probably the, the right expectation coming in. I think four of those five games you know, somewhere between three and four of those five games is is what you should expect. And if, if they get Lovett back, I think you expect to win win four of those five. And then, you know, maybe you get Ward back for, you know, a couple of those key games. Who knows what's going to happen with Winston Wright, who continues to look a little bit better each week. So, you know, this this season will go down very much as a what could have been season, and that's very frustrating. But I do think that, I continue to think Mike Norvell is the right guy for the for the Florida State job. And you can see the continued progress of the program in terms of building towards success. They are at a point now where, you know, these kinds of games are toe-to-toe games. Physically speaking, they don't look outmatched, even though they've not recruited on the level of a Clemson. And just in terms of culture, they fight and claw and... On a play-by-play basis, they've been more efficient than their, than their opponents. And if you keep doing that and you keep making big plays, 
eventually the wins follow and eventually those wins turn into bigger wins as you start getting guys like Hakeem Williams on your campus. So one last thing to look at here, rushing success rate on the night. Clemson is 37% in success rate running the football. It's not outstanding defensively, but it's pretty good. And it's definitely not what you want offensively. Florida State success rate running the football tonight, 53% against Clemson. That was coming in, I thought, the best run defense in the country. And they just ran for a 53% rushing success rate in this game. With 10 run run plays of more than 10 yards on top of that. So they were both successful and explosive in the running game. So, look, I mean, they're close. And I know that's really hard to hear. Really frustrating to hear for a lot of Florida State fans. And there's people out there who, you know, after tonight are like, well, I've given up on Mike Norvell. You know, maybe he's just not the right guy. Look, you are looking at this the wrong way. This is not a team. This is not a game that, given the recruiting and the composition of the programs and all of that, you really ex- and, and the quarterback position. You got a five-star quarterback against a guy that transferred out of, out of Louisville for all of it. Look, this is not a game that you know on paper you expect Florida State to win. And they, I think, again outplayed the overall level that you would expect them to play on paper coming into the season. They gave themselves a chance to win, even though it seemed out of reach at different points in the game. And even though, you know, for all intents and purposes, Clemson controlled this game after about the after the half. Second half, Clemson controlled. No doubt about that. But again, what you've got to look at is where's the program headed? What's the direction? And I think that's very solid. And you can continue to see that progress in terms of recruiting. Be interesting to see what recruits think. I mean, there were a lot of, of high high level recruits at this game. And you got to think the pitch to those guys after this game is guys, look, we lost by six. We made some big mistakes, but you know what we're missing? We're missing you. Look, this we're not far from them. You, you, that, that's a playoff team over there. And we should have beaten them tonight. You saw that. But you know what? We're like three players, four players short, and you're one of those players. That's a really appealing pitch. They've shown enough proof of concept that it's attractive to that kind of recruit, and they just have to get some some other guys on the field so that, again, when you lose, and every team's going to lose important players, when you lose those guys, you've got to have the depth behind them to be able to sustain it a little bit better. And you know that that right now is the difference in the programs. Clemson lost Brzee and, you know, they didn't have Xavier Thomas early in the year and they had enough depth behind them that they didn't miss a beat. Florida State loses Lovett. They, you know, lose verse for, and, you know, verse even when he gets back is is limited and it really impacts them. That's the difference right now between the programs. And we saw that tonight. I don't think there's really a whole lot to be upset about beyond that. You just, you, you the frustrating thing is that even with that, you you outcoached him in certain respects, and then you got outcoached in just enough situations and other areas that you weren't able to capitalize on some of the advantages that you manufactured. That's the frustrating thing, but I think the program is on schedule with what you'd like to see under a guy like Mike Norville. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. 
The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.